0: Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Flora. During the height of the pandemic, anytime you saw a paparazzi photo of a celebrity in a face mask, they were probably wearing one by the brand Evolve Together. It was seen on celebrities such as Bella Hadid and Ariana Grande, and it was launched in 2020 by Cynthia Sakai, the founder of jewelry brand Vita Fede. Evolve Together has now evolved into a full-blown personal care brand with some very interesting sustainable packaging options. Some of these include a powder face wash with dissolvable packaging, biodegradable storage bags, refillable hand sanitizer with glass bottles, and biodegradable face masks. Since it's the first week of Earth Month, we thought it would be great to talk to Cynthia all about how she comes up with her products, including design, packaging, and fragrance. Here's the interview. Cynthia, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Today, we're talking all about your beauty brand, Evolve Together. But before you were in beauty, you were actually in the jewelry business with a brand that became a huge hit with A list celebrities. Did you want to start by talking about how you got started designing jewelry? I've
1: always loved designing, it's sort of just been my passion. Um, I started my first accessory brand when I was 18. Um, and it's, I think from a very early age, I always wanted to create, I don't know if it's it's been like jewelry or it's been beauty or it's been, um, it's just been how, you know, to, I love getting my vision into reality. Um, so I started when I was 18 and then from there I had a showroom. We were one of the first sales showrooms in the Cooper building And at the showroom, I had a friend that gave me a piece of jewelry from Florence, Italy. And it was beautiful. It was like it was on the Ponte Vecchio. And I was like, wow, this is a great piece of, you know, it was just easy to wear. And it was this I just envisioned this classic modern twist. And so I got on the plane, went to Florence, found the manufacturer and started from there. And. From there, we made an entire collection of brass jewelry at the time, which everybody at the time was really doing fine or they were doing some sort of costume jewelry, but really found that I only wore fine jewelry. And for me, I really wanted to find something that I can layer with my fine jewelry, but was an attainable price point, And it was cool and it was made well and it had great detail. And so that's where the journey began, and I designed and found that uh, jewelry brand Vita Fede for about nine years. Um, and I'm part of the CFDA, and I still, I still love, I still love jewelry. But I, I got, I can't lie, I definitely love a little bit more of what I do today than the
0: jewelry. That's so interesting. And what about the celebrity connection? Do you remember the first celebrities that you worked with? Gosh, that's a, I, I'm now going
1: to age myself. I think the first person that wore our jewelry was Britney Spears in one of her, one of her videos with the snake. Is, I think, our first was our first piece. And this is when People Magazine and other publications like Us Weekly in style had like the celebrity roundups and they had what they're wearing. So I think it was Britney Spears, Cameron Diaz, and like Halle Berry. I think that's the, the that was the first three.
0: That's absolutely iconic. And that kind of leads me to talking about your current brand, Evolve Together, because it started as this It Mask brand during the pandemic, and we saw it on so many celebrities. Bella Hadid, Ariana Grande, Angelina Jolie are just a few examples. So was making the A-list celebrity It Mask the same formula as with the jewelry? Was it the same clients? How did you get the masks in the hands of all these celebrities?
1: Gosh, I got to say the mass business was nothing like anything I've ever done. So it was, we launched it during the pandemic. It was lockdown. Um, I was living in New York at the time. There was protest outside of my window. Um, it was really the first time that I really felt that I was Asian American in my entire life. Like it was, you know, I was scared of actually like going to the gym and walking out and there was just so much going on at the time. And so building a brand wasn't really top of mind. Um, It was more, how do we get medical grade masks to consumers? Um, I think for us being part of the CFDA very early on, I was seeing like denim masks and silk masks and, and all these beautiful masks by designers. But we just knew that that wasn't really moving the needle on helping people, um, and protecting people. And at the time I was building a store in Shanghai for the jewelry business. And they had sent me like a hundred boxes of masks. And they said, Hey, we just want to send it to you. We want you to take care of yourselves and your family. And I said, wow, it's really sweet. And, and I went back to them and said, Hey, are you able to make like a million units or 2 million units? and, and so kind of the start of the business was really like, how do we help people? You know, how do we get the word out there that medical grade masks are disposable masks? These are the masks that are going to make the difference. And when we thought about seeding to celebrities or getting the brand out there, it was really in the context of how do we evolve together as humans? But like, how do we just get the word out there so people can get the proper masks to prote- protect themselves. So it was a very different way we would go about building a brand where we would say, okay, these are the types of people that celebrities that are a good fit for us. It's on brand and looking at it that way. It was really like, let's just get it out. So people know we're here. And it wasn't about selling masks out of fear or, COVID, it was, hey, come here, we do have not this 98% BFE, PFE, it's FDA certified, and like, let's like band together and, you know,
0: help each other out.
1: So, you know, at the time, there was no medical grade masks out into the market either. So
0: Yeah, and were your masks KN95
1: from the start? We had both. So we had a surgical mask. We started out with a surgical mask, and then we went into the KN95 mask.
0: That's so interesting because I feel like it took a really long time for the general public to start talking about KN95. It was several variants later. So what motivated you to start making those from the start? I think
1: it just was that it was a higher protection. Um, There was the sur- the need for a surgical mask for an everyday mask. And then there was a need with people were able to go to the hospitals or if people were in a more crowded area, it just was a higher protection. And so it was out of requests from our customers.
0: And who were the first celebrities to start wearing the masks? How did that take off? Oh gosh, that was, I mean, it's been such a ride. Um, we, our first Um,
1: press that we got was Good Morning America. And then from there, we had Ariana Grande and she posted it on her uh, feed. And then we had Justin Bieber that posted it on his feed. And then I think the third most notable was um, Kamala Harris's family during inauguration and Kamala with her niece wearing
0: our mask, walking up to the White House. So were these all gifts sent out or did they just find it on their own? A combination of both. So
1: from the relationships that we had in the jewelry, we really were able to get in touch with the stylists, the costume designers, or the celebrities directly and get them the packages. And I know that a lot of them ended up just purchasing them from our website afterwards.
0: So you now have a whole line of personal care and beauty products. When you started with The Max, did you have any idea that this would be a long-term brand? You know, it's, it, it's interesting. When I was doing the jewelry business,
1: I really had a nudge in myself that I i had been in the fashion space for a really long time. And it there was something missing where I felt that... I wasn't doing enough, or I wasn't doing something that was making a difference. And the beauty space and the wellness space was something that, as a consumer, I always loved, but I never wanted to create a brand just to create another brand. Like, I wasn't interested in saying, okay, I want a beauty brand. I'm going to now go to a manufacturer, find something I like, you know, put our name on it and call it a day. So that was my hesitancy on it was, you know, those ideas that you have and it's there and it's somewhere in the back of your head and it just sits there. But I think my big thing was I just felt like I wasn't doing I could be doing more um, in the world. I know that sounds super cheesy, but I just, I was like, gosh, like I just, you know, my, my forte is being creative and product developing and doing that. How can I use that for more good? Um, and so we always wanted to create a brand for people, always had an idea that we wanted to create something that was gender neutral. Um, for me, sustainability has been a very long part of my life uh, before this brand in the jewelry business. And, and I would buy all of these beauty products and wellness pack, like wellness products, and I would receive them and just have piles of like plastic and boxes. And there'd be like boxes on top of back cards and like more stuff. And I was just like, gosh, like this is just so frustrating. Um, but obviously I, I I leaned towards these products because they were great products and they had great fragrances and they were beautiful. But I was like, God, they're so wasteful. So that was definitely something that was on my mind. And then we started with the mask because it was really in, you know, be, people needed the masks. And then I think it turned into, we never wanted to be a mask brand because it just felt odd to me to be a mask brand. And we were always from the beginning, like how do we not price gouge? How do we not add more uh, waste into the world? Uh, From the very beginning, we've never used plastic in the company. We've never, you know, we've planted over 350,000 trees. We have partnered with 12 charities. Like, how do we do that? Especially because the medical grade masks have polypropylene in them. And so it is plastic based. And we're like, gosh, like, it's exactly what I didn't want to do. But for us, keeping people safe always has come on top of the sustainability um, so now we are launching the first biodegradable medical grade mask into the market with Ted Talk next month. So it will, it's, uh, that's a project, even if no one wears masks or if a few subset of people wear masks, that was something as a 360 for our business. We've been putting money into an R and D for the last two years. How do we make that fully biodegradable? So we are excited that we will be offering that next month, um, but that's really how it started. And we we said, let's make these masks our first daily essentials and let's create a business that truly does good in the world. And we are evolving together and we are marrying those three things that I think consumers today want. You know, consumers today want high performing products. They want beautiful design products that are good for people and the planet without greenwashing and how do we marry that together because we saw a lot of brands out there that are sustainable and they're you know they look like sustainable brands but they don't perform the same and they don't have that fragrance and then you have the beautiful brands but they high perform and but not at all sustainable
0: Yeah, and that sustainable element was there with your first personal care product, Beyond Masks, which was also very pandemic appropriate. It was the hand sanitizer. It had very unique packaging. Did you want to talk about the development process for that packaging? And how do you think your background in the jewelry industry helped propel the design of that packaging?
1: I think the fact that we had no personal care and beauty background made us think outside of the box or forced us to think outside of the box because we've never been in the box in beauty. And I think that that's been really helpful for us. And we've looked at it and said, okay, like how, how do you make the most sustainable, um, sanitizer? What does that actually look like? Um, I have, probably a little bit of a different view on sustainability. I think that, one, you can't expect to change consumer behavior. So if you're asking the customer, because this is sustainable, I want you to now push something up and then somehow squish it down or it doesn't work or it doesn't smell great, but by the way, it saves the planet. Like, to me, that's not a sustainable business. Um, So we want to create a brand that is sustainable because people love the product first. They love the performance of it. And even if it wasn't sustainable, they would come back to us to purchase it. Um, And so from a sanitizer perspective, we always look at the actual user experience. I go, oh, we really hated that it was when it was gel or it was like, a daub and like you would then do this and then like you'd have to wipe it all over your clothes or it would be sticky or it smell too alcoholy. So we really started with the product and we said, how do we make the cleanest product that's essential oils, but actually it works. And then what do we put it into that is the most sustainable option? Um, we don't use PCR often. Um, we use PCR when there's really no option in terms of the lining and it 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 just it, because it has alcohol in it, it's really hard to make it dissolvable, compostable, biodegradable. So we started looking at the PCR and saying, okay, how do we make this sustainable And for us, the refill system was the best way. Um, So we made a glass refill with a PCR um, and we did it a spray so that it was easy for customers to use. And then they could also put it in their pocket. Um, And it had a fragrance that didn't feel like every other sanitizer out there.
0: And how many categories of personal care are you at now? That's a great question. We are at...
1: 7.
0: And we're recording this interview in March but this will be running during Earth Month and we thought of you for this month because you've taken such a unique approach to packaging formats and sustainability. How important is design in making a sustainable product? Do people want something with branding that's not on the crunchier side? How how important is that you've talked about the importance of design? I think sustainability and design is really
1: important. I think that there is just this big space missing in terms of fashion and beauty and personal care where it's missed. I think that when people think of sustainability, they want everything to be green and they want everything to have these arrows and they want everything to look and feel sustainable. And I think that there's a lot of us that are looking for something sustainable, but it's got to be beautiful, right? Like I want to use beautiful products. Um, I want to use things that I can leave in my purse or on my vanity and I look at it and it feels elevated. Like why is it that we can't have products that are sustainable sustainable? And beautiful. So we take a lot of our time in the details. So it's all about the details for us. Um, And we want the customer to love our product first, fall in love with it, come back, and then they learn about the brand and they go, oh, did you know that it is dissolvable, biodegradable, compostable? And they're like, oh, wow, I even love it more. So that's our approach.
0: And you've launched a lot of products with cardboard packaging that would typically be in plastic, for example, your lip balms. We're seeing more and more of this these days. In the premium and luxury segments of beauty, there still seems to be kind of a culture of having a very dense shiny object that feels luxurious, do you think there's an element of needing to change people's mindsets to say a cardboard package can be premium and luxury and high design? I think so. I
1: think that the world is changing so rapidly today that we are seeing a lot of these luxury retailers, influencers, really gravitate to what we're doing in the cardboard space, because when they try the product, it doesn't feel or smell or perform like other products that are in the cardboard. So I don't know if people shied away from it because when they think of cardboard, they think of that single note coconut fragrance, and then it's something that maybe dries out or it doesn't work. So I think it's the perception of the cardboard. So if we can, even like the fonts and design, if we can make it feel elevated, like it's not shiny, it's matte, the color, the texture, the feel of it, and that feels elevated in the, the fill and the formula is, I think we can really get past that. And I think it's really important. Like we want to show people in the industry and lead that all of these sustainable efforts that we're making can be elevated. Like you don't have to to choose for it to be shiny, for it to be elevated.
0: And tell me about the powder face wash and hand wash with the dissolvable packaging. What was the process like for developing those? Oh my gosh, the process was such a pain. Um, it was, it um, there
1: was a lot of broken machines and new machines purchases and like powder everywhere in our factories. It was, it was uh, quite a lift, but it's a collection that we're really proud of. Um, it's called the Gone Today Collection. It's a collection that we will continue to be adding product this year and next year and the years to come, especially in the hospitality space where all of our products and packaging will fully dissolve um, and it is all septic safe. So we are excited about that. Um, there's going to be many more um Innovated formulas that are coming out that is not powder. Um, I think the challenge with that product line is everything's got to be waterless so that it the the packaging works. But we are developing oils and. I can't really say everything else, but um, a lot of really great product there, because at the end of the day, if we can truly create product that leaves zero footprint, that is the goal. Um, And the second goal is, I think of the people who really care about sustainability, and I think that the portion of people who are really spending their time recycling or composting are obviously a lot less than the people who are not. And so when we think about creating sustainable products, in my mind, I think of how do we create product for people who are not thinking of sustainability top of mind? What does it look like? And this is an exaggeration, but what does it look like if somebody throws out one of our product out of their car it's there. How long does that really take? And will it be here for thousands of years? And what are the materials that we can use that that doesn't happen? And I think that's our first thought process. Um, And then our second process is really, you know, how does somebody use it till the very end so it's not wasteful? And then the third process is, you know, how can they dispose of this and are we doing everything we can to properly explain to the consumers how to dispose of it? Or for the deodorant, for example, the deodorant was something that's very much a hybrid. It does have PCR plastic as the turnip, but it has the PCR plastic because I really don't love the push ups as much because I think the push ups in all paper, if you, you know, if it goes up too much, you got to push it down. You've now lost product, which is not sustainable and it's not a great user experience. So we did put PCR in it, but we do offer an upcycle program where after you purchase three deodorants, you can send it back. We'll create a label and it goes back into our manufacturing and upcycled, sanitized, and into our production.
0: Yeah. Tell me more about the upcycle process right now. Are you currently collecting materials or are you already integrating those into your production process? So we are on the
1: deodorant side. That was our first upcycle program. We are now growing that into something that is more into our lip balms, into our body creams, into our hand creams. You know, it's a, it's a little bit challenging because not everything is recyclable. Um, and that's why we started the upcycle program because if the caps are too small or if the depending on the size of the PCR, it's just not recyclable. It doesn't matter if you put it in the recycle bin, it's just not going to happen. So our goal is, is anywhere that we have to use PCR, um, we will be taking them back and upcycling them. That means like the, the cap of your hand cream or the, the cap of the body cream or the caps of the sanitizer refills or uh, the deodorant inside. So anywhere we can collect those, we will be.
0: And you have such an interesting product assortment because you also sell biodegradable storage bags. How do you select your product categories? And do you see this expanding beyond a personal care brand?
1: So I look at our
0: brand as personal care and
1: home. So we do have some home products coming out, um, an extension of our biodegradable bags, biodegradable tote bags, um, sustainable candles. So I can't give all the details yet, but we will be launching candles that are sustainable, um, that don't feel as wasteful. Um, And the bags was really more of a personal thing. Um, I've always had a really hard time finding something that was comparable to like a Ziploc bag because being in the jewelry industry, I was always carrying around like accessories or parts or like the the crystals or other things so we were very bag heavy in that business and it's not something that you can go and use the silicone packaging or all of these other great options that exist like wax paper and all of those things it just didn't it doesn't work like a ziploc bag a ziploc bag is handy you put it in you ziplock, and you go So it was something that we really wanted, like it was a personal thing. And we, when we started in the masks, we didn't want to put plastic in the packaging to protect the masks. So we had sourced these plant-based Ziploc bags already. And then I started to use those bags for many other things because they are food grade and freezer safe. So it was like, And then my friends were like, oh, can I have a few more of those mass bags? And it kind of started that way. And then I was like, God, you know, a sandwich size would be so great. And then a small size would be so great. And then I was starting to take it to, I was like, gosh, if I was going to the gym, I would love to put my shoes in it. So it was very organic. And now it's been one of those things that we've had so many celebrities post these bags and talk about these bags. So... Um, yeah, there'll be a extension of the bags coming shortly.
0: Yeah, that was going to be one of my other questions. Obviously, with the masks and your jewelry line, it was so visible to have celebrities photographed. How do you keep that momentum going when you get into the personal care and home space? Gosh, that that's like it's the million dollar question, right? I think the personal
1: care is more about word of mouth. I think our business has always been about word of mouth. And we've been forced because very early on, you can never do paid media on masks. They were really strict about it. So we never were able to use that channel. And so when we grew our business, we didn't really give it that much consideration because we've never used it anyways. And in the personal care space, the paid media side is so expensive that it was you know, for a startup personal care, it, it, it didn't work anyways. Um, but I think from a personal care side, we really have to change or pivot from that jewelry mass mentality because, of course, you're not going to have a celebrity that's going to turn up a lip balm and like paparazzi is going to take an image and it's so small. But we've had a lot of celebrities and influencers that have really organically loved the product. So they've been posting about it. They love the mission. Um, We've won 15 beauty awards um, in the last 11 months, which has been very exciting. Um, And we're just doing other initiatives. But I really strongly feel that if we make products that people love and we're authentic to who we are, then people are going to find us. What is your best-selling product category right now? Our three most loved
0: products right now are lip balm, hand cream, and our deodorant. So for consumer behavior, are people still using hand sanitizer these days? Are they using it enough? Gosh, that's a great question.
1: I mean, I feel like I should be using sanitizers more often um, as well. I think so. I think that sanitizers were were being used pre-pandemic. So I think people are still using sanitizers. I think that the three products I mentioned are, are more hero products because people really love our fragrances. Um, none of our products are off the shelf at a at a manufacturer. We custom make all of our formulas and all of our fragrances are custom as well. So myself and a scent evaluator from Hermes and Lauder, and we spend a lot of time coming up with something that we think is gender neutral, but also elevated. And sometimes it'll take us you know, a year and a half just to come up with a rose fragrance, which we call Monaco. Um, All of our products are stamped with coordinates, which means that we're all connected no matter our race, gender, or where we live. And so we have the Monaco, the Havana, the Provence, and that's been a big draw to our products.
0: And tell me more about the fragrance part of it. Were you interested in fine fragrances earlier or did you just start getting into it as part of this brand? So I've always been obsessed with fragrance. So if you
1: go to my uh, in my bathroom, I have I don't know, maybe like 50 plus perfumes. I've always just loved fragrances and candles. That's been my personal um, just I don't know I just i love I love everything fragrance, even fragrance for my hair and fragrance for my dogs and fragrance for the rooms and so, when we first started the personal care brand, I wanted to learn more about fragrances, so I started to take scent evaluation classes because I really wanna understand when I get into a new business or get into a new product. I want to understand the details and the nuances and what makes something work and what what like really study it. And I think it comes from being Japanese and having that background. And my parents always telling me, hey, like if you start something new, you know, dive into it, learn more about it, and You know, become an expert in it. And so I found this incredible scent evaluator during lockdown and started taking these classes. And then from there, we ended up hiring her and we've created, you know, what I think are really beautiful fragrances since.
0: And connected to this talk about an elevated design and luxury fragrance. You're also in luxury retailers. You're in Maxfield. Did you want to talk more about your approach to retail and your goals with what kind of retailers you want to work with? So we, we started off
1: as a DTC brand um, because it was during the lockdown. Um, we just started wholesaling last year. And I think being from that luxury fashion space, we always felt that we wanted to be thoughtful about our distribution and where we would be. And I also thought it was really interesting that going into these luxury beauty stores or ready-to-wear stores or hospitality, there wasn't anything that was that sustainable. So that's something that we've challenged ourselves and said, How do we get into these luxury accounts and these A doors and have them kind of approve us as, wow, it's elevated, but very sustainable. So we are working with the Amman Resorts for the hospitality side. Um, We're working with, we just started working with Joanna Check in the beauty space. Um, We will be going into Neiman Marcus at the end of the month. Um, we are in Maxfield and many other retailers across the country that we find them to be beautiful um, and elevated, but we want to kind of lead the way on a, a elevated, sustainable brand.
0: Yeah, so we wanted to get an update on your plan's for the future of the brand. First of all, what do you think about fundraising? Obviously, coming up with all of these formulations and investing in these new packaging types must be expensive. Are you doing fundraising? What's your approach to that?
1: So we've always been self-funded. We've been self-funded because we have used our mask revenue to really start a new um, category. We've been very lucky to be able to do that. Um, Of course, as mass decline and things change, um, we are in the process of raising capital for the first time today. Um, And so it's been the last maybe month or so. So it's still a very new, but hopefully we will be closing soon our seed round. Um, Our goal is to be a 360 brand. So it'll include D2C, it'll include wholesale, and some small footprint brick and mortar.
0: And do you have plans for a physical retail standalone store in the future? We do, we, we are planning to have our first store in 2024.
1: Um, we are looking for something that is not a large space, something that is more intimate. We really wanna create that corner sustainable store for consumers in that community. Um, So we are, we we want people to come to our stores and experience how detailed and thoughtful we are. Um, So in my mind, and as we build out our concept, it's really about every table, every chair, every paint, you know, um, how do you use the Gone Today collection? How do you experience the fragrance? But really kind of get to know us in that space, because I think when people come in, they'll, they'll understand that, you know, we are a brand that really cares um, and we want to add value to our customers and it's important to us.
0: And we've gotten a few previews of your product pipeline. You mentioned candles. Is there anything else you can tell us about what's in the works for new products? So we have some more body products coming out. Um, We are
1: focused, our formula has been done for quite a while. I think our focus now is really on the sustainability side. So we have a lot of material being stabilized with our formula today. And I think that that's something that we wanted to push really hard on, especially in the body space. We felt that there was still a tremendous amount of waste, um, especially even in the refill space and the body wash. It was like a single use plastic and then it was getting refilled with a single use plastic, or it was like an aluminum being, uh, refilled into plastic. So we, we wanted to, our first thought was how do we really m- simplify it, but find those materials that weren't, that were not wasteful, um, but easy to use in the showers. So we do have a couple body products coming out. Um, and then we have another product in the gone today collection that we're very proud of.
0: So, just a final question to wrap up, which is more of a big picture question about the industry. Knowing what you know about packaging development, what is your prediction for 20 years from now for what a typical shelf will look like in the personal care space? Is this still going to be a niche thing? Will everything else still be plastic? Or is this going to move the needle forward in terms of how other brands package their goods? What do you think?
1: I'm a forever optimist. So maybe asking me is not uh, as realistic. But I do think in the sustainable space, it's moving so quickly and so i always say you know a lot of people ask do you think you guys have the best option and i say no pun intended we're always evolving there's always new materials there's always new usage for that those materials um and we're doing the best with what is available to us today and that may be you know, in in next quarter, we may come across the material that we're like, gosh, this is so much better. I can't believe we were using that. And I think that as long as we all are making the effort to do better, I think we're going to be in just a completely different space. So I'm not, I, I think it's more about getting us as businesses, entrepreneurs, To say we want to do better. And what does that look like? And, you know, we all want to be profitable. We want to have a sound business. But what does it look like to spend a little bit more time or educate the consumer that by, you know, this material and it being 10% more expensive, this is the impact on? our planet that we're going to leave to our children so i do think it's going to be better but i think it's only going to be better if we all work together and we all find the importance and we have the desire to do it
0: well cynthia we look forward to seeing what's in store for the next year for the brand and thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me this was fun Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you next week.